Good morning. It's 9.07, and uh, we're going to have the Epic Times on with us uh, about mm, 10.30. Uh, you notice how 10.30 starts with an N. Mm, 10.30. Uh, and uh, we're going to have uh, Andrew Thornbrook with us with the Russia-Ukraine war and uh, aid to Ukraine under, the, under discussion. He can talk uh, about those topics. He has a story about it, uh, how the United States hopes to strengthen Ukraine for negotiations with Russia. Uh, but wait, there's more. We have Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, he's going to be on board with us. Among other things, I want to talk to him about how the mayor of uh, Kansas City uh, was upset when the governor called the shooters thugs. I, I am really perplexed by, by that. By the, uh, well, what the hell? What? How did thugs get to be uh, a word you can't use? I don't know. Professor Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, the Fed and uh, also um, a health scare that, that he had. So we've got that on topic. Brian, Han uh, Brian Hansen is, of course, uh, engineering pushing the buttons. And Brian, story out of Chicago, a Chicago police officer is suing the city, wants to change his race on his official records. <laughs> well, you can do that nowadays. Huh? You can do that nowadays. Well, not according to the city of Chicago. No. No. If you want to change your sex, ah, you can do that in Chicago. Uh, the police officer's name is Muhammad Yusuf. He's 43 years old. Now, clearly from that name, he's from my part of the globe. He's from the Middle East. He said in a federal, federal civil rights lawsuit last week that he is looking to change from Caucasian... Uh, as he uh, currently identifies as Egyptian and African-American. However, the Chicago Police Department's not allowing him to change his race. I find this amusing because based on his name, I'd say he has a case to be made that's real. But they won't let him do that. If he wanted to say that he was a she, they would, they would let yeah, him. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense why they wouldn't let him. No, it doesn't make any sense to me either. I'm thinking he should identify as 65, collect his retirement, and yeah. move to Florida. <laughs> that just strikes me as uh, the, the smart, uh, smart move here, because apparently you can do these things. I watched the, uh, the, the uh, Georgia questions uh, yesterday. They, they, had, they had this attorney on that represented the uh, the guy that was getting the divorce, which his name, uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, anyway, it, 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 you've got uh, Fanny, her boyfriend, and her boyfriend's attorney. Her boyfriend's attorney was on the stand yesterday. And clearly he was trying not to answer any questions. You couldn't watch that and not come away with he's hiding something. And to tell you the truth, uh, Trump's attorney did the best job. Apparently, at some point, uh, he was being asked about the relationship between the Fanny and her boyfriend. And he suggested that they met long before they acknowledged they met. And the attorney that was questioning him said... You know, you know. How do you know this? He said, "Well, I was, I was speculating. I, I didn't really know." And the attorney said, "Well, then, why did you say it? You knew 
what this was about, why would you why would you invent an answer? And the guy stumbled around. He didn't have an answer for that. It was it's it's clear that Trump's attorneys have Fanny and her boyfriend dead to rights. If this judge comes away thinking anything different, uh, then he's 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 a he's a brick. Uh, he gave the attorneys that were ex, you know that were uh, questioning him, Trump's attorneys. They gave him plenty of he gave them plenty of leeway, but there were objections from the defense because they didn't want him to answer these questions. I I'm waiting for the cell phone data to be allowed in that courtroom. That cell phone data is just it's just going to seal the fate of Fannie Willis and her boyfriend. Because the, you you couldn't possibly have that many uh you know phone calls and text messages and locations uh, that were, you know, near her condominium unless they were having a relationship. So they really, really uh, made the case yesterday. Nathan Wade is, is Fannie's boyfriend. And attorneys for President Trump filed new court documents suggesting that Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade have been in a relationship for much longer than they admitted in court. Uh, looking at Wade's cell phone data, uh, it, it makes it pretty clear. What can happen? Well, it's entirely possible that those two get tossed off the case. It, for lying under oath, there could be even more problems for them. More legal problems. Career problems. But they might also throw out all the prosecutors. They might say, look, she poisoned them all. And they all have to go. I don't know how it's going to unfold, but it really does look to me as though Trump's attorneys caught these uh, these two lying under oath, and uh, you, you you just can't you can't do that. If it happened to Brian Hansen, he would probably end up in the Huskow. Yes. Uh, if these are Democrats. Oh, it's perfectly fine. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's likely to be just <laughs> just okay. Don't worry about a thing. 874-9390, toll free, 800-529-5572. Or GaryNolan.com, you can send me a message there. I really, I mean, I was, I got sucked into this thing, Brian. I watched it for hours. Wow. I was Waiting for somebody to, you know, the first couple of attorneys that were uh, asking Wade questions, they weren't really getting anywhere. Then Trump's attorney and, and his uh, his questions, they were at, he was on uh, Zoom or something, I don't know. And he's the one that just pointed out the stupidity of the answers. You know, you you made it up. Why would you make it up? Why wouldn't you tell them the truth? You didn't know. That's what you're telling us. Oh, it was just, it, it, it became so implausible. And the rest of that case is implausible, too. You know, the that they paid each other back and forth with cash. Well, isn't that handy? <laughs> As she went to Belize with thousands of dollars in her purse. Oh, there, that, sure she did. 
What a steaming pile of poo that turned out to be. Uh, all right, so that, that's what I, um, that's where I spent my time yesterday. Uh, 874-9390, toll free, 800-529-5572. We've got uh, several guests coming on the program, uh, including Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. He'll be with us at uh, 935. What's in a word? Why is thug such a bad word? And the Drug Enforcement Agency has shut down drug factories even though there's an Adderall shortage. They, wait till I tell you this, because this will make you crazy. That's coming up next on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Welcome, glad to have you with us. It's uh, 19 minutes after 9 o'clock. I actually have two stories about the Food and Drug Administration, Brian, and if I run them both, I'm going to run out of time. It doesn't make sense to break them up, so I'm going to call an audible here, and uh, I'm going to switch gears. I will do this story at... Uh, 20 after 10. That's where I'll get to this. Uh, or maybe at 10 till 10. You'll have to listen. <laughs> I can't be sure. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to head in a different direction here for just a minute. You understand that with our our national debt being where it's at, every time the the government spends a dollar it deflates the currency. It makes your economy weaker. It, it it's like taking money out of your pocket. Every time they spend a dollar, they don't have, they have to invent a new one. Imagine if you could do this. This might be the best analogy yet. Imagine you could do this with gold. Right now, the rarity of that rare metal makes it very expensive. But suppose you could create gold. How expensive would it, would it be? It would become less and less valuable. They make a ton of, of gold. If they could create it out of whole cloth, the gold value would plummet. Be like, who cares? Why collect it? Anybody can, you can get it anywhere. It's just a rock. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what they're doing with the dollar. So every time the Biden administration opens up the coffers and throws money out, it's taking money out of your pocket. Even if they don't raise your taxes, your dollar doesn't go as far. You know, the dollar will buy 75 cents worth of goods instead of a dollar's worth of goods. And then they spend more and it only buys 50 cents worth of goods. That's what they're doing. Now, the reason I, I, I start with that is because the Biden administration is struggling with young voters. They made a huge difference in his election. And he's not, he's not doing as well with them as, as he was before. He's losing them. So the first place uh, that he goes is to pay off college loans because we know most colleges are progressive. By the time the kids come out, they're leftists anyway. This is a perfect place for them to spend money, create money, your money. But now they're going further. Uh, listen to this. We have been doing work to promote voter participation for students. And, for example, we have, um, under the Federal Work Study Program, now allows students to get paid through Federal Work Study to register people um, and to be nonpartisan poll workers. Yeah, right, nonpartisan poll workers. The point here is they're paying leftists, leftist students 
to go out and register leftist voters, and they're paying them with money they don't have. But if they want young voters to vote for them, they've got to come up constantly with ways to buy their vote. And so the latest tactic is to pay them <clears throat> to get people registered to vote. This is taking money out of your pocket. And they make it sound so, you know, it's, we're just being generous here. We're arranging for them to, to, to get some money for all their hard work. What they're honestly doing is, say, is, is frankly, uh, bribing young voters any way they can and spending your money in order to get those young voters to vote for Joe Biden. The end justifies the means. That's just the mentality of the left. They don't care what they have to do if they want, uh, you know, if they, if, if they think it'll lead to a victory, it's okay. No problem. So it's just your money not to worry about a thing, Brian. They're good. They're, yeah, Initially, yeah. I was a little concerned, but... Uh, yeah, but no, it's, it's nothing. To, good. It, it's just that every damn dime. I mean, they're, they're so... <laughs> they're running like a trillion-dollar deficit. Costs more to service the debt than it does to uh, fund the military. It, I mean, it, if you're listening to this, you should be outraged. The military... It's it's the way we defend the country. At least it should be. It shouldn't be the world's police department. But it's it is the way we defend the country. If China or Russia or uh, Iran or North Korea decide they're going to attack, we want a military that is so powerful that they fear a response. They that should be the the uh, the outlook. They, they should be afraid of us. But we're spending more money servicing the debt than we are for the military. Now, at some point, this increasingly uh, you know, deep debt is going to start crowding out money that could go to defense. It's going to crowd out money that could go to things that we really need. And there's there's no place to go. There's nowhere to get it. Except from you. And you won't even have a say-so in this. You won't be able to say, no, no, uh, I'm voting against that, ta that ta tax increase. I'm voting against them spending my money uh, and, and wasting it anymore. You won't get that vote. Because you won't even know it's happening. You'll just you'll just get a little more shrinkflation. You'll just pay a little bit more for the same goods. That is a tax hike. That is a tax hike. But doesn't seem to matter to the left. They they don't care. Doesn't really matter a lot to the right either when you get right down to it. They got their their you know they're certainly willing to spend money we don't have. 
But that should terrify you. That should scare you. That 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 it is a tax increase that you can't vote down. You can't say no. Don't raise taxes because it's it's taxation without representation. The only way around this is to elect people that will that will stop the spending. It's the only way. It, it, it don't vote for somebody who says we're going to cut taxes and expand the government, uh, the economy, and uh, that'll pay down the debt because that never works. You, you you cut taxes, you do expand the economy, but they just spend all that money. Oh man, look at this mana from heaven! We got all this extra money. Next thing you know, they're out buying more programs so they can buy more votes. It's just the way they work. Uh, two stories. One of them is in the Wall Street Journal. One of them is at Reason Magazine about the Food and Drug Administration. And I always tell you that they kill millions of people, uh, and, and and nobody seems to know it because it, it it's it's kind of like the, the the spending money they don't have and printing it. You don't know that it's happening unless you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world of pharmaceuticals and medical uh, equipment. You've no idea what's being used in other countries that we can't use here or what medicines don't come to market that could be here saving lives. So, you know, people die waiting for these medicines and then the FDA comes out and says, well, we have approved this and it'll save a thousand lives a year. Well, great. How long have you had that? Oh, uh, we've been looking at it for 10 years. Oh, so for 10 years, thousands of people died every year waiting for you to release the drug. Died not even knowing a drug was out there. We've got two cases. The Wall Street Journal one uh, deals with uh, a child that's uh, got a, a genetic problem uh, that is it, it's going to just uh, destroy his life. And there is a pharmaceutical answer. But unfortunately, the Food and Drug Administration is in the way. And uh, Adderall, if you've got a uh, a kid that has uh, that's uh, diagnosed with um, H- uh, HDD or ADD, rather, well, you might be having a problem getting the pharmaceutical. And the reason you're having the problem is the Food and Drug Administration. So we'll go into that as well. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes at uh, 9.35, we will talk with uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. We'll cover the, some of the topics I, I talked about yesterday uh, with Senator Eigel, including uh, the um, uh, in, vitro, in vitro fertilization ruling. Uh, but also, I want to chat with him about this, this word thug as... Because I don't, uh, I don't I, my definition of a thug is a bad guy. He's a cretin. He's a thug. He's he's willing to club you over the head, take your money. That's a thug. I don't associate that with any race. Do you, Brian? Do you, do, I do, do not. You? In fact, I remember when they used to call Saddam Hussein a thug regularly when they recorded the news on uh, what he had done on that particular day. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. But now, no, you can't use it. All right. And we'll talk with him about the economy. Murray Sabrin, uh, we'll have him at the top of the hour at 10.05. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network.
This is the Gary Nolan Show. It is 9.35, and uh, my favorite Secretary of State is on with us. That would be uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. Uh, and I've got something that I'm going to throw out here that I didn't expect to throw out here. Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, and thanks for not telling everybody that you only know one Secretary of State. Yeah, I kept that <laughs> secret. Nobody knows. That's top secret, you know. I, I, I've got that on a piece of paper hidden in uh, Joe Biden's garage behind his Corvette. Attorney nobody Gen will find it. <laughs> yeah, nobody will find it. Uh, this just broke, and I hadn't seen this before. Attorney General Ken Paxton won a case challenging the uh, $1.7 trillion federal funding bill. Uh, he said it was uh, unconstitutional. Here's the story. Uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton secured a major victory in defense of the United States Constitution with a court ruling that $1.7 trillion ominous spending bill was unlawfully passed by the U.S. House of Representatives in 2022 without a quorum physically present as constitutionally required. The court enjoined the defendants, the United States Attorney General, United States Department of Justice, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and their officials, from enforcing a provision of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2023 against the state of Texas. Well, wait a minute. If this was unconstitutional, doesn't the whole thing go down the dumper? Well, what happened was uh, Texas just challenged a portion of the law. Um, it was not a direct challenge to every aspect of the law uh, because they were concerned, I believe, that if they challenged the whole law, even though they were correct, the court would say, look, we, we can't do that. It was two years ago. The money's already been spent. So I, I, I think what Texas did was they challenged a small portion because they thought they had a chance of setting the right precedent and getting some redress. And this all goes back to the idea that Democrats were allowing people to have proxy voting instead of actually being in person in Congress like the Constitution requires. But couldn't the Republicans take this victory and go back to court and go, if this is unconstitutional for Texas, the whole thing is unconstitutional, and cut it off? Uh, in a world where people actually followed the law, I think you're right. I think, however, individuals are concerned that if they push too much on this, courts will find a way to weasel out of actually having to follow the plain language of the Constitution because they don't want to have to unravel everything that was done over two years. So I think what you'll see is now that Texas has created the beachhead, you'll see other cases that will go forward on small segments of that to chip away at it so no one judge has to declare the whole thing unconstitutional, but we start to chop away good chunks of it. That's frustrating. I mean, if they recognize that it was unconstitutionally <laughs> passed and they won't do a damn thing about it, jeez. Um, <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on. And it should have taken two years. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. It shouldn't have. They should have recognized that it was that it was wrong right from the get-go and go, well, eh, we've got to go back to the drawing board. But, oh, no, the end justifies the means. They're Democrats. Let, let, me, uh, let me roll back the clock. We had the shooting in, in Kansas City. Um, at, at a uh, celebratory uh, parade for the uh, for the Chiefs, yes, who uh, won the Super Bowl, and the governor, and I got to tell you, it, it, 
Mr. Secretary, I am not fond of our governor. I'm not asking you to respond to that. I'm just telling you I'm not fond of him. But I think his response by saying that these were thugs was an accurate description. When did the word thug become some, you know, like, you know, do we say the T word now? What, what What's going on with the word thug? First of all, the governor was entirely correct. Yes. Um, and what really got me was at the time that he said that we did not know the race or the background of the individuals that had been apprehended. It was the mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas, that automatically assumed that the individuals involved were of a minority that they were uh, and and then that that was a racist statement. It was not the governor that was racist, it was Quentin Lucas. And let me just be very clear. If you just go around and shoot people, I don't care your race, I don't care your age, I don't care what country your parents are from, how much money you make, you are a thug. I don't disagree with that. By the way, I knew that it was uh, a, a, a minority. And I knew it because they didn't oh. admit it at first. <laughs> I, this is just, this is me. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You don't have to agree or disagree. But I think that the media uh, and, and uh, the Democrats would love it. I think they would have said it if it was a white guy. Um, uh, that's just my opinion. I'm going to move on because I, I do think that the governor was right. They are thugs. And it, it was an accurate description. Uh, IP reform, where does it stand? Um, the Senate has passed a kind of a bare bones IP reform based on uh, requiring concurrent majorities out of the Senate. So that will be brought up by the House. They'll go through the committee process. I don't think the House is in agreement with what the Senate did. So I think they're going to want to change some things. So we'll see what they want to change on that and whether or not they can come to agreement with the Senate. But it is moving finally. Uh, the, House, the House has actually sent out some statutory changes that would, uh, I think, do a better job of making sure that when signatures are collected, they are collected correctly. I hope that the Senate will bring that up. Uh, it looked bad at the beginning of session, but what really matters is what they're able to accomplish before they have to adjourn. So I'm just going to pray that they remember the people and do the people's work. Does the legislature have an edge when it comes to altering the state's constitution over the people? The legislature doesn't have to collect signatures. But both the legislature and the people, through the initiative petition process, any constitutional change they want to have done has to be voted on and approved by the people. Uh, only the courts, and this is a real problem, seem to have the ability to, to change the Constitution without going to a vote of the people. I spoke yesterday um, with a state senator about the uh, Alabama ruling on in vitro fertilization, and then I spoke with listeners. And by the way, the listeners came up with a perfect solution, uh, and I'll, I'll chat about that in a minute with you. Uh, but they decided in Alabama that um, if you are going for in vitro fertilization and the egg has been fertilized and frozen, it's a life. Uh, you agree with that? Uh, I do. I believe that life begins at conception. All right. Uh, so 
apparently then, because there are thousands of those uh, frozen embryos, they, these uh, p- uh, people who are trying to have children will harvest a lot of eggs. And if they, you know, get a couple of kids, they go, well, that's enough. Uh, so now they have to pay to keep them frozen forever. I don't know who who f- keeps the you know the money rolling after they're gone. Um, but one of the solutions, and a listener came up with this, was you know go ahead and harvest the eggs, but fertilize them one or one or two at a time, um, and then you don't have this problem. Makes sense. I think that there's I think there's an answer if we look at the science. That, that takes care to make sure that people that, that are having difficulty conceiving can use this method to, to have children without wholesale creating uh, life just to destroy it. I, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Um, as an engineer, I've, I've run into problems in different areas where everybody said it's one or the other. It's like, no, wait a minute, let's, let's look at this. I think there are ways to do it so that you can protect the, the, the ability of people to have kids that otherwise can't and also aren't just willy-nilly creating life to destroy it. Uh, all right, I've, I've got just a little bit of time left. It's the economy, stupid. And I'm going to talk with uh, Professor Marie Saber and uh, Professor Emeritus uh, from uh, Ramapo College uh, at about 10.05 about the economy. But, it, you know, they keep painting this rosy picture. I don't think it's as rosy as they're saying it is. It's not. It's rosy if you're living in your walled multi-million dollar house on the east or west coast it's rosy if you're the federal or state government that's just taxing people into oblivion and has all the money you need but the average person more and more when they go to the grocery store are having to return products to the shelf because the cost is too high they're having to when they go to the gas pump say oh i can only put ten dollars in i can't fill my car i can only put twenty dollars in i can't fill my car they see the truth the economy is only rosy if you build a false utopia on the backs of the working class, hardworking Missourians and Americans. we got to put a stop to that. The employment numbers, do they look legitimate to you? You know, what you have to look at is not what percentage are looking for jobs but can't find it. But you also have to look at the number of people that have decided not to even be in the the job market. You have to look at the labor participation rate. We as a country are paying people through state and federal benefits tens of thousands of dollars a year not to work. That is asinine. It's ridiculous. We need to quit paying people not to work, and we need to quit taxing people for working. That's what government should do. Mr. Secretary, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. We'll chat with you again next week. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, you too. Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on The Gary Nolan Show. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free 800-529-5572. Got to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the Food and Drug Administration and how they're killing people. We've got a couple of stories right now. Uh, One of the Wall Street Journal, one at Reason Magazine. Then we'll talk about the economy and a health scare for Professor Murray Sabrin on The Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. 951, glad to have you with us. Uh, Professor Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. He had a health scare and uh, kind of a Biden moment, if you will. Uh, We'll talk about that with him and uh, also uh, about the feds and inflation. He's got a great piece up at his Substack column. Uh, He is... uh, he has PhD in economics and and uh, Professor Emeritus Ramapo College. 
Uh, th- there's something going on with the uh, Republicans uh, and their email. So I, don't, I don't know, Brian, have you gotten any emails from, like, Jim Jordan, uh, Donald Trump? Uh, uh, I got some uh, text uh, messages from the Trump campaign that uh, <laughs> I sent right to the spam folder. But other than, and I, it's been on the uptick lately. Yeah, I'm getting, I just got an email from Jim Jordan. He's in Ohio, um, and he, he wants me to endorse him. <laughs> he doesn't know who I am. He has no idea who I am. Um, it, and I got uh, from Donald Trump. I got uh, an email from his son. Uh, I got an email from a uh, senator from Texas. What's his name? Uh, um, Ted Cruz. Yeah, Ted Cruz. Uh, I'm getting and text messages too. I mean, they're they're indiscriminately sending everything out they can. Uh, endorse now. Make your endorsement now. All righty. All right. Eight seven four ninety three ninety eight hundred five two nine five five seven two or Gary Nolan Rick is on down in Hallsville. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You know, you was touching on spending and inflation uh, early in the show, and. Uh, I uh, sit down and paid my electric bill for the month of January, and it showed I used less energy, which I really conserved, uh, but my bill was $53 higher than the year before. Um, All you people that like Biden's policies, uh, you really need to look at your spending, what is everything that's costing you. Uh, I thought I'd throw that in. I wonder just how much more expensive it would be for your utilities if it was really, really cold this winter. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, we did have that cold snap there, you know, around the 20th of January. Yeah, but if we'd had a really bad winter, like the global warming people want, you'd have really burned some carbon fuels. I would have. Yeah, unless you found a, a way to... Get battery-powered heat for your house. All right. By the way, who's who's Jim Jordan? <laughs> Congressman from Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he's I the, knew who he was. All right, all right, Rick. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. All right. So if if you've got a kid with AD, ADHD, um, and I'm not going to comment one way or another about whether or not I think this is a real problem. Uh, but there is a drug that you need to to make this, uh, to, to manufacture this. Uh, Adderall is, is the key here. In October 2022, the Food and Drug Administration announced a shortage of amphetamine mixed salts, Adderall's primary ingredient. The announcement noted that manufacturers were, quote, experiencing ongoing intermittent manufacturing delays and that it anticipated the shortage could last until March of this year of 2023. Instead, the shortage has persisted more than a year and there are no signs of it letting up. The Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, imposes production caps on Schedule 1 and 2 narcotics. Every year, drug manufacturers apply for a piece of the overall quotas. Even after a spike in demand during the COVID uh, pandemic, 
they didn't lift their production quotas on the ingredients used to make Adderall uh, or its equivalents. Instead, the FDA and the DEA blamed drug companies, saying in August, quote, for amphetamine medications in 2022, manufacturers didn't produce the full amount they were allowed under the DEA quotas. But the, the country's three largest pharmaceutical distributors, along with Johnson & Johnson, settled a $26 billion lawsuit in 2022, brought on by state and local governments over the company's alleged complicity in the opioid edemic, uh, epidemic. As a result, distributors cracked down on, quote, potentially suspicious orders of controlled substances, including psychiatric drugs, psychiatric drugs like Adderall. They, literally, they have caused the problem. They are the problem. New York Magazine reported the ongoing saga of the drug manufacturer Ascent Pharmaceuticals. The company estimates that its, uh, that its products made up to 20% of the market for generic ADHD medications, including generic versions of not only Adderall, but others, including Ritalin. Uh, in April, uh, they submitted their annual quota application for 11 total drugs. But instead of a uh, speedy approval, they were subjected to a DEA audit. Thank you, big government. Wall Street Journal, Food and Drug Administration, could help save my son from a rare disease, Judy Stecker writes. Uh, instead, the agency keeps safe treatments out of the hands of patients with no other options. Her son has a, a genetic uh, problem. Uh, there is a pharmaceutical that uh, seems to show a great deal of, of promise but the uh, agency's inflexibility with efficacy and trial design keeps these drugs out of the hands of patients with no other options. They, they actually have come up with a, 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 a medicine, a treatment, but they had to pause their clinical trial because of the government. They're killing people and they act like they're our saviors. They are not. They, they're just inflexible, and they're afraid of failure, even though they do fail. But in the meantime, they keep you from getting the help you potentially need. All right, coming up at about 10.05, Professor Murray Sabrin is going to be with us. Uh, he's got a great Substack column this uh, this week. We'll talk about uh, his inflation column and his health scare. Uh, it just reminds us a little of Joe Biden, what he's going through. Gary Nolan Show, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.